for uh, his patience. You know, God is merciful with us. There's so many things that he would have liked for us all to had years ago that we just didn't take the time to get it, just to be honest with you. You know, so many times you you think you did everything you could, but you really never pressed in to grasp exactly his heart on the matter. Getting God's heart on every matter is the most important thing we can do. It, it is, you know, uh, Brother Moore last, last Sunday started a new series. Um, in the previous, he's been talking more about being spirit-led, spiritually aware. You know, Sunday he'll be here and... He'll do what God tells him to do, amen? And it'll be good. It'll be good. But, but so much of the time, what he's putting out is going to depend on how we hear. Actually, not so much of the time, all the time, right? It's all up to the hearer, you know, that you could have, and you know what? I actually heard him say this in his meeting this past week. You know, you could have everybody in here could be hearing the same words, but only a few people could actually hear it, you know? And, and so what we want to do is actually hear it. If we have a preconceived notion that maybe we just don't like it, why we didn't want to be here, somebody made us be here, you, know, you could have a thousand things going on in your head, but if you just get one thing in your heart that God could show you something tonight that would change the direction that you've been going and change your life in a way that you didn't think it could be even. Yeah. Amen? And He very well could and He very well will, but it will be up to the hearer on whether or not they receive it. Amen? Open your Bibles to Ephesians 6. Thank you, Lord. You know, we've been talking about prayer. We're going to keep talking about prayer. Look at this. i got more books even. See? You know, I'm aspiring to be like more like Miss Gloria. And I'm still a little weak on it, but we're getting there. Amen? Thank you, Lord. But, you know, uh, the first prerequisite we talked about in prayer, uh, the first week I started talking about it was, was love. Love is the number one prerequisite for prayer. Without love, your prayers really don't mean much. Um, they're not going to go very far. And probably you didn't have much heart in them anyway. Right? If you're praying, if somebody asks you to pray for them, or let, let's put it another way, if you somebody was going to pray for you, would you rather it be somebody that you knew loved you and cared about what happened to you or somebody that just was doing their duty, right? And so many times as Christians, that's what we've relegated prayer to. Somebody says, will you pray? And you say, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Well, what, are, what are you going to pray? You know, what, 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 how are you going to pray? You know, do you know, do you know this person? Do you know God's will? Have you, have you thought about, have you asked the Lord what to pray? And, and so many of the times we've asked or, or we've assumed the will of God instead of actually asking and taking time to say, okay, Lord, how do I pray for them concerning this situation? You know where they're at. You know what's going on. Help me to pray for them in such a way that it makes a difference. It opens the door for your power to do things in their life because prayer always ushers in the power of God. I mean, if you look in, in the Bible over and over again, even in, we're going to look at Jesus' prayers, but Jesus, when he prayed. But, but even like in Acts, when, when Peter prayed, 
the dead were raised. Right? When Paul prayed, big things happened. What? The, the power of God was ushered in. You know, and, and that's, that's what prayer is designed to do. It is, you are the doorman for God. You, you, you know, when you're really hooked in with God, you become His go-to in prayer. You know, how, how many would like to be God's errand boy? That, would that be cool? God says, I got something going on over here. Would you go take care of it for me? I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. You go this direction. This will happen, this will happen, and this will happen, and then you do this. And, and when, when you'll follow those directions, when you'll follow those directions from God and hear them, instead of assuming, first of all, you know, somebody says, well, well, you pray for me. And instead God says, no, do this first. Go here, do this, get them this book, tell them to listen to this CD, tell them to get into this so that your prayer can be effective in their life. Amen? You know, because outside of that, your best prayer is, Lord, have mercy on them. And which is always a good prayer because, you know what, mercy covers you. But he'll get so much more specific if, if we'll give him the time. Prayer is such a, and I don't want to say it's a sacrifice, it's a good sacrifice. It is an act of love when we do it for one another. It is a huge act of love because so many times we're not, you know, she was talking about my mom. And, and, I, and I think so much about her as I'm studying this because that's what she did. She prayed. She, she prayed. And, and she prayed at the will of God. She wasn't one of those people who just say, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go pray for two days. I don't know what I'm praying about unless God told her. Now, he may never tell her what she prayed about, but he may go tell her to pray. Right? But there's other times where she would spend nights praying about something that she had no idea. All she had was a burden to pray. And she would pray until that was gone, until she prayed through, if you will. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But, but that, that is a person that is so usable by God because what she understood was the value of the gift. And we all can pray. We all can pray. What we consider prayer is what we'll get out of it. If it's priceless, if it's priceless, if it's value, if it is, it's beyond, you can't even give it words what its value is. Then your prayers for other people and even for yourself, because why? Because you value that God gave you, that told you you could pray, told you you could ask, and ask you to pray for someone. God asked you to do it. And, and this, this is important because, you know, so many people say, well, you know, I felt, I felt like I should pray and I prayed for a minute. Did you pray for a minute? And did you, did you pray until you got that release or did you just pray so that when somebody said, did you pray, you can say, yeah, I prayed. Yeah. Now, I don't know why nothing happened because I prayed. Right? <laughs> I want to be the person that something happens after you pray. Right? I want to be the person that the prison walls fall down. Right? I want to be the person that prays and turns around and raises the dead. Right? I want to be the person that prays or that God says, hey, I got something for you to do. God, that, that's a go-to prayer. Man, what, what a good... I'll read you a story about a go-to prayer. 
that Brother Hagin put in the book. And it wasn't Brother Hagin. It was a story that he gave. If I can find it, I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Let me get professorly here. There we go. All right. It says, we need boldness to act. Sometimes during intercession, the Holy Spirit may bid us to go to, to, go to the one we are interceding for. I now refer to an incident in the life of a great intercessor, Charlie Hollinsworth of Spokane. One day he entered into intercession for someone. He did not know whom he was in, for whom he was interceding. At, after a time of agonizing in the spirit, he was bidden of the spirit to go to the Monroe Street Bridge. He hurried to the bridge without delay. As he arrived in the middle of the bridge, the, the Holy Spirit pointed out a man with one leg over the railing ready to jump to his death. Charlie stopped the car quickly, grabbed the man, and, and persuaded him to get in the car. Took him out the country, witnessed to him for three hours, and he got saved. What, wonder why God asked Charlie Hollinsworth to do that. Because he was willing to do it. And, and see, so much of the time... You know, there, there are too many times where we're too tied up to take the time it would take. What if, what if he said, well, I'll pray, but, you know, in about 30 minutes, my show's come on, <laughs> right? Or, or I'll pray, but, you know, dinner's going to be ready in an hour. You know, you, those, those are not, the, that's not going to be, if, if that's your heart, I'm not saying God's against you at that point, and he's not going to disown you or anything, but he's not going to call on you. He's not going to call on you because he needs people that will take care of it. And, and if he says, I want you to take time to pray, he wants you to take time to pray. But the one thing you know about somebody that prays like this is they've spent time with the Lord. Um, Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying all, always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen? Praying always with all prayer. Praying always. In other words, always being ready to pray. Always being in the spirit of prayer. And You know, so many times somebody will catch you off guard with a question or a prayer request. Did you ever notice that Jesus never got caught off guard with a question or a request. He, he may not have given them the answer that they thought they were going to get. He always had an answer they could not argue with. Amen? And, and that's because Jesus spent time with the Father. People say, well, no, he was Jesus. No, he spent time with the Father. He was a man, and, and he went up in the mountains and prayed. Sometimes he prayed for hours. One time that they've listed in here, he prayed for a whole night. You know, when he prayed for a whole night, he came down and preached the Beatitudes and all the other good things that are in Luke 6, right? I guess you get some good answers when you spend time with God. And, and that's one of the keys to being one of God's go-to guys. You've got to be willing to spend time with him. Why? You don't get to know somebody unless you've spent time with them. You, you don't get to know them. You, you can read a book about them, but when you spend time with God, when you get quiet and, and you pray and listen and seek God for true answers 
and, and, and His true heart on different, on different things or direction for your day, direction for, for what's going on in, the, in your life, direction for what will be going on in your life. Amen? Jesus would pray for hours and then He'd go heal somebody. Right? And, and, and these are things that we have to be willing to do. If you, if you look at um, prayer today in, in the, as a whole, we, we use it Wednesday night in prayer, right? Or when we need something, or desperation, right? Let's come down to this. We, we got to pray. It's getting bad. So you, you know it's getting bad when somebody calls you to pray, right? <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if, they didn't, if it didn't have to get bad before they called you to pray? In other words, they said, you know, this is starting right now. Let's go ahead and pray and nip this thing in the bud right now. Amen? Wouldn't that be the better time to ask? But pride so often will get in our way of doing things like that. We, we don't want to be like that. Look at Mark 1, verse 35. Thank you, Lord. Getting the heart of God is what we're looking to do. Um, That's going to change your prayer life alone right there, getting the very heart of God. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out, and he's talking about Jesus, and departed into a solitary place. What's he doing? He's going to get a quiet place, right? (laughs) You know, I know when I first started doing a little bit of praying, I'd go do it in front of the TV. <laughs> How many of you know when, when you're a three-year-old, you do three-year-old things, right? right? And, and sometimes God asks you to do something, and you think, I don't like that. You know, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. So you find your own way to do it and call it good, right? God, God will give us stuff that's really sweet. And if you're a baby, think, think about this. When Ramsey was really young, she was like, I remember all the shows. We took ice cream. Ice cream. Now you're thinking it's good, but she's a baby. Put some on her finger, put it on her tongue. Just <laughs> now, about a few months later, that face didn't come around like that anymore. <laughs> right? Why? She grew. That's right. She grew, and the sweetness was attractive to her. As we grow in the spirit, if we become more spiritually aware, what you're really becoming is more aware of God's heart, more aware of God's design, more aware of God's plan. And as you become and we become more aware of what God's doing in the earth, we become more a part of it. Why? Because we become connected to Him by it through prayer, through time of fellowship with Him. When you take the time to fellowship with God and just spend time with Him, just spend time with Him. Just, just get in that solitary place that Jesus was in. Where'd that verse go? He, he went into a solitary place and there prayed. And you know, they don't need to tell you what He prayed about because you can see the things Jesus prayed about as you watch His life. Right? Because He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. And so where do you hear those things? In prayer and through the Spirit. He was always led by the Spirit of God, and he took time to pray and hear. And people say, well, he was Jesus. He could just talk to God anyone, tell anyone. He was a man, just like you and me. And, yes, he could talk to God anytime he wanted, just like you and me. Just like you and me. And he, just like you and me, 
needed to go to a solitary place and hear from God. Amen? If you're going to get the heart of God, you're going to have to spend time with God. What's verse 36 say? And Simon and they went where they went and they that were with him followed after him. He couldn't get solitary very long. So he had to be he had to be a pretty precise prayer. Verse 37. And when they'd found him, they said, All men seek for thee. Why are they seeking for him? Because he's a prayer. Right? You know, one thing I know for sure was my mom's phone rang on a constant basis. You know why? Because she truly prayed for you. If you ask for prayer, she truly prayed, and she expected those things to happen. And she got good results. Why? Because God's faithful. Not because she's a good prayer. She's a faithful prayer. You know, people say, oh, they're a good prayer. Anybody who prays, right, with the right heart is a good prayer. It's not, it's, it's not a special thing, you know. It, it is, it's a special thing to fellowship with God. But everybody has the right. Every child has that right. I was, uh, I was, listening, I was talking to my brother the other day, and he was listening to a, a minister talk about their dad. And their dad was a man who prayed. And they said he would say all the, he, we'd be out in the front yard playing, and he would say all of a sudden, get up, kids, and get in the car. God just told me to go down the street, look for a man in the blue shirt on his, on his porch, and his name's Joey. And as soon as you see him, then you stop, and I've got a word for him. And sure enough, they got in the car. He drove down the street until he find, found a man on his porch in a blue shirt named Joe. And he stopped and gave him the word. But, but somebody's got to be willing to take the time to be that sensitive to the Word of God and, and be unwilling to j- just get up and say, oh, that's enough. That's enough. I'm going to pray until I hear from God on this matter and I'm going to be someone He goes to when, when He needs one of His errands run. His errands are always about people, right? He's not sending you to the grocery store. He's sending you to the fields, and he's saying, hey, one, one of these people that, that's, that, that their mom and dad have been praying for their salvation, they're about to do something they don't need to do. I'm going to send you out. You go to here. They'll be there. You do that. Amen? You know, Brother Hagin talks about in, the, in the, one of these books. I've read so many of them. I'm not sure which one. But he talks about coming off the, off the uh, ministry field. You know, he'd been out ministering other churches, and he had nothing planned. And so he, he, was, he went and sat down with his wife, and they went to the family for the weekend. And he said, and his, I guess him and his wife were talking, he said, he said I'm going to go to this fellowship meeting, I think it was called, and there's a guy there that, that I believe, you know, is going to ask me to preach. He said, I already, I've already seen it in my spirit. How did he see it? He took the time to be quiet and hear from God. You'll get direction when you take the time to fellowship with God, He wants to lead us in exactly the way we should go. And it's not always about, you know, which head of lettuce should I buy? <laughs> but, but you might want to listen, and He might say, don't get that one. You know, otherwise, just get your lettuce. But, but be willing to hear, right? You know, He has given us a, a, an amount of wisdom that we can do some things like buy lettuce all on our own. But he also gave us enough wisdom to know to always be listening. You know, one thing I always tell people, they say, I got a word from the Lord, I'm going to start doing this. And I'll say, yeah, take the next step and listen. 
And, and then after you're done with that step, take the next step and listen. Right. And, and, and if you're not hearing stop or anything else, continue towards what God told you. And, and that, that's the key is always be listening. Always be listening for what God might say. Amen? And, and because we want to get his heart on everything he's doing. You, you want to be able to know that you want to know his love and have confidence that what you're going to do is, is totally what he set, told you to do, but, but you have to know him to do it. We have to take the time to fellowship with him. Look, look at it. Here's a verse that we're pretty familiar with because Brother Morris taught on it a lot of times. Look at John 14. And, and this, this is actually talking about being one of his go-to people. John 14, 21. He said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. Now, you could look at that two ways. You could say, well, he loves me because he keeps my commandments. Or you could say, he loves me so he keeps my commandments. Because it's the loving him that makes you want to keep his commandments. People that don't love him aren't going to keep his commandments. Why? Because they don't love him. If you don't love him, you don't respect what he's saying. Amen? You don't, and so... And, and this word keep means to guard from injury or loss. It, it means to watch over, to hold fast to. It doesn't just mean have them in a bag somewhere, right? It doesn't just mean, I can, give you a good, I can give you a really good example. If you have children and you want somebody to babysit them, do you want somebody that loves them or do you want somebody that observes them? Right? I want somebody that loves them. Because why? They're going to they're gonna guard them. They're going to guard them because they love them. They're going to take care of them, and they're going to watch over them. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be there for their success. Right? Now, if they're just a babysitter, they're there for their success. They, they want to make sure that nothing happens to them too bad so that at the end of the night, they get paid. Right? Yeah, that's not who I want watching my kid. You know, thank God when Ramsey was growing up, we had several people within the church that loved her, even as loud as she was and still is. They loved her. And, and we, could, we could trust that she was being well-guarded, well-taken-care-of, and held fast to. That's important. And, and that's what God's saying about His Word and His commandments. If, if you love Him, you'll keep them. You'll, you'll guard them. They'll, they're a treasure. They are a treasure. And, and, and that makes them priceless. You can't lose them because they're your life. And, and that's, that's what he's saying. If those, are, those are the people he goes to. Why? Because they value what he says. That's the people he's going to ask to pray. Why? Because they'll listen to what he says and do it the way he says because they love him. Not because they're afraid if they don't they'll be in trouble. The same word that's a totally different word when, the, when Jesus went to the rich young ruler and the rich young, or the rich young ruler went to Jesus actually and he said, what, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments, don't steal, don't honor your mother and father. And he said, these I have kept. Totally different word than this keep. It's a totally different word. This, that word means observed. I've done them for my own benefit. doesn't mean that I did them because I loved you. 
I did them because I was told to obey. And, and, and Jesus said, that's good. It's good. There's, you know, there is, there's, there's something there. But he still lacked one thing, didn't he? What? He did, God didn't have his heart. God wanted his heart. He'd given him his obedience, but he didn't give him his heart. The, the, the one that has his commandment and keeps them, guards them as a treasure, that's the one that God has their heart and he has God's heart. Because that's what he's saying. He said, he loves me. I mean, when God tells you that, that you love him, that's cool. I mean, that, I mean, you can tell me you love God, but if God tells me you love him, I'm going to say, man, God took the time to say this person loves me. And it wasn't proved by their, by their action. The actions were proved by their love. They were actually not proved, demonstrated. So remember, remember when, when God said in Romans, he said, he said, it said that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It was a demonstration of what he already had. It wasn't to prove because he didn't have to prove it. He already loved us. It was a demonstration of that love. And that's what prayer, the kind of prayer we're talking about, is. It's that kind of love. When, when you take the time to press in and pray for people or you take the time to pray for the unsaved or the sinners that are lost, when you take that time in love, when, when, when it's not good enough that I prayed, hopefully they'll get it. No, I'm going to pray until I feel like God's saying stop for now or he's saying you got Vic. You know, one thing I always, I, and I'll read, a, I'll read a story from Brother Hagen on it because I really enjoy, you know, he'll, he'll talk about praying through. And when at the end of when he, when he's done praying through, he says, you get a note of victory. I like that. You know, it, it, that's cool. I mean, it's like a note of victory. And he's not saying I get a little bit of victory. He's saying I get a note and I begin to sing. Why? I begin to sing and thank God. Why? Because I got the victory. And so he doesn't need to pray anymore. He just needs to thank God. And, and th- th- this is important because that meant he was willing to take whatever time it took to pray through on that situation. And it could have been a little situation, could have been a big situation, could have been 15 minutes, or it could have been three hours. Uh, One time I think he talked about praying a whole day. In fact, that may be the story I've got. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see if I'm going to be on the right story. Yeah, this is it. This is this is this is this is this is prayer. This is this is being God. This is this is God saying, "I, I want you to do this." Okay? He said, uh, "That's intercession." I'll explain to them. That's the Spirit of God trying to roll the burden of some lost soul off on someone. He was searching throughout the congregation to find someone that he could use. When that happens again, if you can't contain yourself, in other words, he'll put a burden for a lost person on people, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but for, for years, I, I mean, I've seen people say, I, I don't know why I need to go to the altar. I just feel like I need to go to the altar. I know I'm saved, but I need to go to the altar. You need to pray. You don't need to go to the altar. You're saved, but you, you're, you're travailing, if you will, for somebody who's not. Amen? 
And he said, um, let me go on down. He said, there's something out here in this area that we need to learn again. The art of intercession is lost among us. We'll never really have the depth of the move of the Spirit of God until we have that kind of intercession. I prayed that Friday night in Phoenix. Oh, I've missed part of the story. That's why I was sitting there thinking. I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the story. He was in, this was in 1953. He went to do a meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was staying with the pastors and their daughter, and their, uh, their, he was staying with the pastors. Their married daughters came over and they were going to have dinner that night. And, and the, they were in cooking dinner and he was sitting in with the pastor and he got a burden to pray. And that, you know, I was talking to brother Moore last week and he said, brother Hagen got a burden to pray. You prayed right then. And, and, and that, and so he, and he suddenly he had an urge to pray. Now this isn't just him wanting to pray. This is God going to him and saying, I want you to pray. Right? And a lot of people say, well, what about? He didn't ask what about. And, and that's one of the keys to, to being a good prayer. If you know that the, you know your God, he's a good God, he's not going to have you pray about something that, that's a waste of time. He's not going to have you do something that won't work. He's not, gonna, he's not just seeing if you'll do it. Amen? He, he has a plan. And so they were seated in the living room, suddenly had an urge to pray. Now, don't misunderstand me. Nobody made me do it, but there was a burden about it, an urge to pray that seemed to fall upon me. I knew these folks would understand such a thing. If they wouldn't, I would have excused myself and prayed privately. Brother F called the ladies from the kitchen. Just forget the food. Brother Hagen's got a burden to pray. Let's all join him. I knelt beside a large chair in the living room. The moment my knees touched the floor, I was in the spirit. I lifted my voice, praying in other tongues and groanings. It seemed like deep down within me I was hurting so badly like I was about to deliver a baby. In travail, there's pain. There are groanings. I knew I was interceding. When that spirit of intercession for the lost is upon you, you'll feel within your own being that you are lost. You, you, you know you're not, you know you're a child of God, but you take upon yourself the condition of the other person that the other person is in. That person is lost, so you feel lost. I've had people come to me many times saying something like this. I know I'm saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, but sometimes in service when God begins to move, I start to feel on the inside like I need to go to the altar. He says, that, he says on, I prayed that Friday night in Phoenix with groanings and tears and other tongues for about an hour. I knew I was interceding for someone who was lost, and I knew to keep, it, to keep at it until I had a note of victory. And then he describes a note of victory. A note of victory, that is when the burden lifts and you feel light, wonderful, and blessed. Or when you begin to sing in other tongues, or when you begin to laugh instead of groan. In other words, you have whatever it is you're praying about. Once in a great while, the Lord will let me know what or whom I am praying about. That Friday night, he let me know. He gave me a vision. I saw the church where I was holding the meeting, full of people. I saw myself at the pulpit preaching. I heard myself preach a sermon I had never preached before. I heard myself give four points to this sermon. I got a brand new sermon, which I preached the following Sunday night. I saw myself finish the sermon and then lean over the pulpit and point to a man sitting in the second seat from the front row. I heard myself say as I pointed to him, Friend, God shows me you are past 70 years and that you've been brought up to believe there is no hell. But he told me to tell you that 
you have one foot in hell right now and the other is slipping in. I saw that man leave the pew, come and kneel at the altar and be saved. I knew I was making intercession for him. I knew I was travailing in prayer for him. The folks present knew I had seen something, so they asked me, and I told them and described the man to him, and I described how he was dressed. The following Sunday night, everything came to pass exactly as I had seen it on the, pre- on the preceding Friday. And that's God using you. And, and a lot of people say, well, couldn't God have just done that without it? No. He, he couldn't have because this is how he's chosen for this to operate. He said, ask. He said, pray. He wants people to love like he loves. This is an act of love. What if, what if Brother Hagin would have said, no, I'm just not going to do that. You know what? That man's had 70 years to get saved. And, and you know what? One more night ain't going to make a bit of difference. He should have got saved in the first place. And a lot of people say, well, nobody would say that. But yet you could be completely distant from saved people from unsaved people you could you could you could look at somebody and say well i don't think they're saved and not have any compassion in your heart but when we get the heart of god when 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 we have his commandments and keep them then those things won't do that that's when we'll stop being able to look at the lost and just say yeah they're lost we'll look at the lost and we'll get a, a, a burden to pray for him or we'll or we'll stop and we'll say lord send labors you know jesus said send labors into their path you know but why did he do that because he was praying in compassion right it says he it says he had compassion and he prayed he said they were like sheep without a shepherd so pray that the lord of the harvest send laborers into the field and and and, and that's what that's what compassion of the lord will do but that's what people that keep his word do because they have that compassion and you know a lot of people say yeah people should have that compassion on me no you're not listening god didn't put you here to tell whether people should tell you could should do something for you he put you here so you could hear what you need to do for people because while we're doing for other people he's taking care of our stuff amen because He's always about other people. And if we'll take the time to, to care enough to quit praying about our stuff over and over and over again and take time to fellowship with God and hear His plan. Hear His plan. Because He's got a good one. Right? And, and not only do you hear His plan, you'll hear His direction and you'll begin to start doing things not like the rich young ruler, but like the man in John fourteen twenty one the one that has his commandments and is not going to let go of them. That's really the best way I could describe that verse. He said, he said, that man has my commandments and refuses to let go of them. Amen? And, and, and that's why, because he loves me. He knows that what I'm telling him to do is good, and he's excited about what I've got going on in the earth, and he's not worried or, or concerned that I'm going to ask him to do something he can't do because he knows I'm always going to give him the ability to do what I've asked him to do. Right? Because so many times we won't pray certain prayers because we're like, I don't know what I, if God told me to do something, I don't know what I'd do. You'd do what he said if you loved him, and it wouldn't be hard. I remember when I was young, and that was, you know, I used to talk to God. When you're little, you talk to God all the time, right? Don't even think about it. You just talk to God. 
but I was always afraid he was going to ask me to go to China. I don't know why. I think I went, I think I went to church one night, and there was a missionary there tell, telling how bad China was. I mean, that was a long time ago. And so every time I thought, I just can't have him ask me to go to China. I don't want to go to China. I'm not going to China. You know, I'm seven years old thinking about whether I'm going to go to China. I just got saved. <laughs> but, you know, there's adults doing that. They don't want to pray or get too close to God because he might ask them to do something that they won't be comfortable with. You know, that was what was so cool about listening to this, about the man that went to the to the get the guy off the bridge. But to this day, we still have people that we don't know that will stop us and say, you don't know me, but your mom stopped at my house one day. She didn't know who I was, but God told her to stop at my house and do this and this and this. And she did it, and my life's never been the same. Thank God that for people that will do those things. And that's what Brother Hagin's talking about in these respects. But you've got to have that personal prayer life. It's, you know, some, some people, and, and you know, I've been guilty of it at times in my life, the only time you spend a bunch of time in prayer is in church. In church. And we need a personal prayer life. That's where you're going to hear from God on things that are important. That's where you're going to hear from God if he has a direction for you to go. If he has, if, that's where you're just going to know your path. And once you know your path, you know that everything in your path is going to be okay. Because that's what Jesus did. He prayed. He, he came off the mountain in, in Luke 6, and he preached. How, who knows how long that, that sermon took to preach. And then he started healing people, and he did this. And he, and he, but he was following the direction he'd just gotten. What was his direction? Go here, do this. And, and that's what you get in your personal prayer life. And, and, you know, what you have to do to get it right, though, is get rid of your preconceived notions or your desires and get a hold of his heart. Right? Because anybody in here been guilty of praying from your own heart and your own desire and things you wanted to do? You say, I just know God's telling me that I need to take a two-week vacation. And I need to go somewhere, and you're supposed to give me money, right? <laughs> you know, we can come up with all kind of crazy ideas, or we can hear from the heart of God. And he may tell us to pray for someone for a long, long time, and, but they, they still have their own will. I was talking this last night, but people still have their own will. This man that got this guy off the bridge, he could have went to the bridge and and talked to him and said, don't do this. Now, there was an anointing there, don't get me wrong. But this man still could have said, no, I'm jumping. I don't care who you are, what you say, I'm jumping. He had his own free will. Nothing was stopping him from doing that. But the obedience and, and the love, that, that, that gave him the opportunity to choose something else. Before he saw no other option, but after the prayer and the love, then now he's got another option. When you've got the other option, it's going to be harder to choose the wrong one because now you've got a right one. You know, you see people all the time. I know somebody that took their kids out of church at a pretty young age, and, and uh, they were asking me, you know, what, what they did. They weren't asking me. Somebody was asking me what they thought would go wrong with something like that. I said, well, they lose the good option. And they only have the bad option then. When your kids are in church, they always have, they're always hearing the goodness of God if they're in 
they, they have the opportunity to hear the goodness of God. How about that? So they're hearing the goodness of God, and they're always an option to choose good. When they, when they stop going to church, the only option they're hearing now is the world's option. And, and, it's, and that's a dangerous place. You don't want your kids not to go to church. Amen? They need to be in church. Um, Sunday church is what we do. <laughs> it's it's really, really that simple. It's what we do. It's not, it's not in question of whether we do it. Sunday church is what we as a family, we go to church on Sunday. Right? And you just make that what you do. And then it really doesn't ever become a deal because it's just what you do. I don't know why we got off on that, but there you go. Amen? That's right. It's free. Glory to God. I, I, th- I think that, I think that as, we, as we grow in these things, we'll, we'll, we'll read verses. You know, I was, I was looking at some of these things, and then I looked at Romans 12, 12, show it on, on the screen. It says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribula- tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And, you know, I've read that verse over and over again for years, but it kind of stands out now, doesn't it? Because if you're continuing instant in prayer, you're always on the ready. Because why? Because you always have whatever is needed inside you to pray. You know, sometimes you're going to get a question from somebody, and there is an answer. And, and you could say, I don't know, or you could take the time and spend it with God, and, and immediately when you heard that question or that situation came up, you would have the answer. And you wouldn't even know why you had it, but because you spent time praying. You spent time with the Lord. You spent time with love. You spend time with love, it will engulf you. It will encompass you. It will go in and out of you, and it will begin to do what love does. And, and you'll begin to pray for things that, you, that, that in your flesh never mattered to you in the whole world, but now it means something. What's he doing? He's making things priceless. He's, he's making it a treasure. He's, he, he's bringing this to a level where it's important. Prayer is important. It's not just something we do because we're Christians. It's something we do because it makes a difference. It opens the door for God to do things that He was not going to be able to do. And people don't like that because oh, God can do whatever He wants to do. He will not. He's told us to ask. He's told us to seek. He's told us to knock. He's told us if things are going to happen on this earth, he's, then it's going to happen through us praying and Him doing. Amen? And I mean, that, that's, that's what's going to happen. Now, His will at the end of all this is going to come to pass. But in this earth, if you want something, and you're waiting for God to throw it on you. It's not going to happen. He's waiting for you to ask. He already had it. He had it before you ask. You, we're, we're asking for healing. Good, I, I supplied it 2,000 years ago through the stripes on Jesus' back. Have it. Glad you asked. But, but we have to ask. We, ha- we have to do things. We have to continue instant in prayer. You've got, you've got to at any time be ready to ask, seek, knock. You've got to be ready to go. You've got to be ready to listen. You've got to be able to look. You've got to be able to see his vision. You've got to see people the way he sees them. That all happens through fellowship and, and intimacy with God. We're not going to get those things just sitting around on the couch watching TV. 
And unfortunately, that's, you know, I, I, some of these things I read, you know, you read the stories and you look at the year and you're like, they didn't have TV. Seriously. You know what? If you don't have TV, you, there, there's one less distraction that the devil can use, right? I'm not telling people to quit watching TV, so don't do that to people. You still need your Saturday morning cartoon. No, I'm just kidding. You need to be led. You need to be led. But, but we, need, we need to be instant in prayer. What, what's he saying? I want you to have inside you the love that would pray for people at an instant and, and, and be able to pray in such a way that it affects their situation. Amen? And, and you could pray the Word, and that'd be great if that's the Word God gave you. But, but when you're truly praying that way, God will give you things. And he also wants to say, you know what, I want you to be okay with being inconvenienced because instant in prayer means it might be the middle of the night, right? I know, I know I've been in a room with Karen and others, or actually with the whole staff, when Mrs. Moore said I was up all night praying about this, and she came in and had a staff meeting and, and lined out exactly what God told her, or she was praying for an individual. Yeah, you guys, one of you guys might have got prayed for all night. Why? Because it didn't inconvenience. Prayer's not an inconvenience to her. She'll get up in the middle of the night and she'll pray until it's done. Right? And she'll pray through. And it's important. Praying through, it's not just that you prayed. It's that you prayed, and I like again, Brother Hagin's word, until you got a note of victory. You didn't quit. If it were your child, you would pray, right, until, until you had a note of victory. And you wouldn't quit. Probably if it were your child, you probably should call somebody else to pray because you probably got a lot of fear right now and you need somebody else. Right? I, I'm just telling you from experience. I know when Ramsey, she'd get out there and I'd click her phone. The phones are just not right. <laughs> but if I didn't see what I just thought was right, my mind would start reeling. Okay, where's she at? What's she doing? Why isn't this this way? Why isn't this this way? And she's not answering me. She's not answering me. Lord, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I'm not going to worry. Why isn't she answering me? I'm not going to worry, Lord. Don't worry. I won't worry. Uh, why isn't she answering me? And you're not doing her any good or you. I'd have been better off to call somebody that wasn't going to worry and say, could you please pray? I'm not saying I should be pleased with me. I should grow. And God's still working on me. I know I look perfect, but not quite yet. Still got a couple of of things to learn, I'm sure. But I want to be instant in prayer. If he says pray, I want to be at a place where I pray. Amen? I want to be at a place where I hear from God and I take the time to pray. Um, Let's do it this way. Go to Jude 20 and maybe we'll kind of end that way. Maybe. Jude 20. One way to keep yourself in the love of God is to pray in the Holy Spirit. And if you want to do things the right way, you're going to have to stay in the love of God. Needless to say, this says, but ye beloved, building yourselves on your most holy, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, keep yourselves. You know which word keep that is? It's the same one in John 14, 21. Guard, watch over yourselves so that you're in that love. Hold fast to that love. Don't let that love go. Pray so that 
that love becomes so real that the reality of God is so much bigger than any negative or doubt or any unbelief could be that you take hold of it and refuse to let go. That's what keeping you in that love, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. When you're in that love, you're always looking for an answer. Mercy. You're never looking for justice. You're always looking for an answer for somebody. People that are walking in the love of God are never looking for justice. No. Because the love of God is the mercy of God. And you're not looking for justice. You're looking for mercy. And you're praying for mercy. And that word mercy also means compassion. It means kindness. When you're walking and keeping yourself in that love, you're in a position to pray that everybody won't put themselves in. Amen? You know, before, before Jesus, when he came off that mountain, he'd been praying in Luke 6, and he came down off that mountain, and he began to tell people to love their enemy. Never been told that before. What were they told? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You're my enemy, I'm your enemy. That's the way it's going to be. All of a sudden, he came down and said, I got a better idea. I represent love. I'm the son of love. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to love your enemy. I want you to pray for those that despitefully use you. I want you to be kind to the unthankful. I want you to not judge. I want you to have mercy. Right? I want you to give. All he did was line out a whole sermon on love, on on what love does. And prayer was right in the middle of it. Why? Because there's no way you can pray for your enemy unless you love them. You have to use the love of God to do that because they're doing everything to get you not to. But yet the love of God constrains you to do it. It just it, In you, you're saying, I can't do anything but pray for you because I see you like a sheep without a shepherd. I see you lost and going to hell. I see you being, div- div- being division where you need to be peace. And you see answers to their questions and you begin to pray for them. Amen? And, and this kind of prayer out of love, the, the, when you, when you pray, keep yourself in this love, that's what will keep you praying. That's what will keep you praying. I'll give you one more story just because I like the story. Amen? I just like them. You know, it's so much, and, and I, you know, I don't, it's, it's learning, but it's almost fun because you, you know the reality of Christ. You know the reality of God's love through these people that are doing these things. This isn't, you know, this isn't fantasy. This, these things really happen. Amen? It says the importance of praying through. People who pray through have the love of God in them. Why? Because they sacrifice themselves. No greater love hath any man that he lay down his life for his friend. That's how you know when you'll stand up in the middle of the night and pray as long as it takes, no matter what you've got going on the next morning, then you know that person loves God and loves people. Amen? It says, when you have a burden or a leading to pray, it's important that you yield and pray until you've prayed through. When you do, you'll experience victory. Years ago, I read a testimony of a missionary named Brother Bali in a full gospel magazine. Later, I had the opportunity to hear him preach 
in a church in Dallas. In this message, he re- reiterated his testimony. Brother Bali and his wife went out as missionaries to Africa. That was another place I never wanted God to send me. Yeah. Anytime I heard about missionary, I'm like, missionary? Yeah, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> he and his wife went out as missionaries to Africa in, in the early 20s. They went inland into the very heart of Africa and built a mission there for a native tribe. One day, a na- neighboring tribe kidnapped a six-year-old girl from the tribe he was ministering to. Brother Bali knew the custom of the local tribes. He said, we knew that if we didn't get that little girl back before sundown, we would not recover her. You know, we would not recover her. I got, a, I got a native man who was saved and could speak the dialect of that tribe, and we went over there. Before we got there, we could smell this awful smell. They had a custom of taking an animal and killing it. Four or five of the women of the tribe had to prepare it. Then they'd hang this animal on a pole at the entrance of the tribe's land. Everyone who came in had to take a knife, cut off a piece of that meat, and eat it. If you didn't eat, the women who prepared the meat would be killed. In that hot, humid climate, the meat had putrefied. Brother Bali told his interpreter, We'll have to eat a bite of that. We don't want those women to be killed. Jesus said one of the signs that will follow believers is that if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. I suppose that we could also eat any deadly thing, and it would not hurt us. So we said, in the name of Jesus, then we cut off a chunk of that rotten, putrefied meat. We each ate a bite, and it never affected us in any way. We made a deal with the chief of that tribe, Brother Bali said, and we traded him a bunch of trinkets and beads and things for the girl. But then night overtook us. Because it was dangerous to travel in the jungle at night, Brother Bali and his interpreter stayed overnight in the tribe's guest hut. At midnight, they were awakened by the sound of drums. The interpreter told Brother Bali, that means you're dead. That's the death knell. It's, it's dawned on the chief that they don't have to give up the girl. They can just kill us and take her back. The two men heard the tribe members moving around about outside the hut. Knowing they were about to die, they committed themselves into God's hands and then stepped outside. Brother Bali said, I shut my eyes and waited. I know it was just a few seconds, but it seemed like a long time and nothing happened. I heard strange sounds, and when I opened my eyes and looked, the warriors were on the ground, and they were, they were bowing, bowing up and down, their knives laying on the ground. Brother Bali asked his interpreter what the warriors were saying. The man responded, they're worshiping you. They think you're a god. They say that when you stepped out of the hut, two giant men in white apparel with a giant sword in either hand stepped right out beside you. Thank God for his deliverance, but that's not the end of the story. There's more to it. Soon after this miraculous deliverance, Brother Bali went to check on a lady who was manning a mission station for another local tribe. When he arrived, the woman asked him, Brother Bali, did something happen to you last Monday night at about midnight? He, he said, why do you ask? Well, she said, I always work 14 to 16 hours a day, and I was very tired that Monday, so I got to bed and went to sleep. I was awakened with a burden to pray. I lay there in the bed and began to pray, but I was so sleepy I fell back to sleep. I was awakened again, and I had that same burden to pray. So I prayed, but I was so weary I fell back to sleep. I was awakened a third time about 10.30 that night, and I decided to get up because I knew if I laid there I'd go back to sleep. The woman got out of bed. Does it sound convenient? 
14 to 16 hours, and now she's praying in the middle of the night. The woman got out of bed, got on her knees, and said, Lord, I don't know what you've awakened me to pray for. I don't know who needs prayer. I just trust the Holy Ghost to give me utterance. And she began to pray in other tongues. She prayed approximately an hour and a half in other tongues. While, while I was praying, she told Brother Bali, your face kept flashing before me. I don't know whether I was praying for you or not. At midnight, I knew that I had prayed through. I began to laugh. I began to laugh in the spirit and sing. She had a note of victory. The burden lifted. Instead of spirit of heaviness, I felt the spirit of lightness. The night she prayed was the same night Brother Bali was delivered from death. It was a mystery to her why she was awakened to pray, but it wasn't a mystery to God. What if she hadn't prayed? Thank God she did. That is praying through. That is the love of God. That's somebody who kept themselves in a place and a position. And there's people like that now, and there's probably people in this room that do those things. But you know what? We can come up to a higher level. There's no one who couldn't be a go-to prayer. There's no one, but, but you've got to be willing to do these things. You've got to be willing to go out on the bridge. You've got to be willing to drive down the street and walk up to somebody. You've got to be willing to, to hear somebody cuss and not be so offended you can't minister to them. Right? You got, you got to go where people stink and get right beside them. Amen? Th- these are things that, that can't hinder Christians. The love of God is not stopped by a lack of a bath. Amen? It's not stopped because somebody said words that your ears didn't like. They're unsaved. Why should it surprise you? Even if they're saved, why should it surprise you? Amen? Well, we've got to be in a position at all times to, to, to walk in this love so that we can pray through this love and, and pray until it's finished. Amen? And, and pray for things that, that, the, that God told us to pray about, not just things we've come up with our own. God will lead you in prayer. He'll, he'll lead you how to pray, what to pray, when to pray. He'll, he, he'll tell you to pray until... You got the note of victory, and he'll give you the staying power. But you got to care enough to, to do it. You, you got to be willing, and you got to hold it dear, like, like what we were talking about in John 14, 21. You got, we've got to hold dear what he's asking us to do, hold tight to, to, the, to his commandments. Why? And we've got to love him. We got to love him like no other. We got to understand not only did he save us, he wants to use us. He wants to he wants to take our lives and make differences in the lives of others. He wants to use you. He, you will need to be his errand boy. Amen. I want to be his errand boy. If he if he says go to here and stand here and and sing songs until I tell you to quit, I want to be willing to do it. Too many times I would say, well, I'd look stupid doing that, Lord. Anybody else in here say that? I'm just being honest. I remember we were just a couple of years ago, we were in Little Rock. And there was somebody crying beside the dumpster. And I knew in my heart I was supposed to stop. And I overrode my heart. And I felt horrible the rest of the day because I had overridden my heart. Why? Because God had given me that situation. 
I'd prayed to be used. I'd said, here I, here we all, we all said, here my Lord, send me. And then we, then he sends us, oh, that's not God. That, that's just a lady over by the dumpster crying. Well, you know what? I had the answer, but I never gave it to her. I don't want to be that person, right? I want to be the person that's bold enough to walk over there and say, don't jump. That, that I've heard from God. He sent me and he loves you and I love you, so let's not do this. Amen? And, and this, is, this, is, this is what happens in prayer when you begin to know God. When you, it's, that's why we've been praying about becoming more spiritually aware. What are you really gaining when you're more spiritual? You're gaining a, a, a greater reality of God. Uh, he's, he's, not only, he's not only this distant God that created everything. He's your Father, and, and He's your Savior, and He's your Lord, and He's your healer, and He's your provider, and He's your director. And he's who you're praying to. And he's who you're getting your orders from. And you're waiting for him to use you. And you don't care what he uses you to do. You just want to be used. And in your prayer life, the more you get into a private time and, and, an, and an intimacy, a fellowship with God, that's when we're going to hear the things that he's got for us. And that's when we're going to hear what, what, when he says, I need you to go over here or I need you to do this tomorrow or I need you to... You, you don't know what he's going to say. But you've got to be open to hear it. You guys open? I'm open. I, I, I want to hear more of what God's got to say. I, I want, you know, the more I've done this, the more I've seen my mom more of a treasure than she was. She was one of my faith heroes, but now she's one of my prayer heroes. And she was always a prayer, but she was always the crazy mom. She'd pray for anything. You'd come home in the middle of the night, say, Mom, what are you praying for? China. And then I'd immediately go, Boy, I hope God don't send me to China. <laughs> Somebody needed to go to China, huh? But she'd pray until God told her to quit praying, or she got a note of victory. You could ask her what she's praying the next time. She said, Don't know, but God told me to get up and pray. I mean, I, and I came home at weird times because sometimes I worked late hours and sometimes I was doing stupid things. But either way, I'd come home at late hours and she's still praying. But she's willing to. You know, Brother Moore and Mrs. Moore both have always said who's, who, who's the first people God's going to use? Those who are available. In prayer, we need to become more available. We, but the first step, what we, talk, what we start with, prerequisite for prayer is love. You're not available until you love. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much you think you're available, you're not. When you can love, you're now available. Once you love, now you can pray for anybody at any time because now you can hear from God because you're using the love he put in you to do these things. Amen? And as we grow in that and we step out on that love and we keep ourselves in that love and we hold tight, we treasure his commandments. We treasure hearing his voice, and we refuse to let go of it. Amen? Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be the most spiritually aware, some of the most spiritually aware, right? Spirit-led people in all, in this generation and on this planet. Amen? And the more I see it, spiritually aware is closeness to God 
And the closer you are to God, the easier it is to be led by His Spirit. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about here. This kind of prayer is the kind where you get down in your floor and it's just you and God. And it's just you and Him fellowshipping, talking, and you can't do that here tonight. But we can pray, just like we've prayed for the body for the last several weeks. We can keep praying, and we will keep praying. We'll keep praying these Ephesians prayers. We'll keep praying the things that God's asked us to pray about and believe in God for answers to these prayers, not only in this church but in the body of Christ. Think about this. What if, what if when all the churches start hearing like this, how many go-to guys do you think God could use? The, the same amount that Jesus said was needed. Lots. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. But when we begin to be engulfed by that love and pray through that love and do those things that that, that, that love has consumed us to do, then, then, then we'll start seeing the greater works. We'll, we'll start seeing not only those things that He did, but the greater works. Amen? That's what we want to see. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Just thank Him. Father, we thank You. So thankful. So thankful for all You're doing, all You're showing us, Lord. We, we desire to, to know You more. We desire to be closer and more intimate than we've ever been before. We want to be the ones you use, the ones that you talk to when things are going on. We want to be the church that you say, hey, pray for this as a body. And we do it, Lord. We want to be your go-to people when it comes to prayer, when it comes to other things. We want to be someone you can trust to ask. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray this with me. Lord, we ask that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we would walk worthy of you, that we would be pleasing to you, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you that we would be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto you who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light and has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of your dear Son. And Father, we ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of your glory of your inheritance in the saints 
And what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe? According to your, the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. And Father, we bow our knees unto you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom we are all named, the whole family. We ask that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your Spirit in our inner man that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith that we being rooted and grounded in love would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of this love and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with all your fullness now unto you who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that's working in us. Unto you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Father, we thank you for bringing us up, for teaching us more, for giving us more desire to serve you to be a part in any way we can in the kingdom of God, in the things you've got going on in the earth. We know that you love people and we love people. And we ask, use us in our time of prayer, in our personal lives to do those things that help others. Help us to hear your voice and to follow, to stop questioning and compromising, but to move. Lord, we have your word and we hold tight to it. We love you, Lord, and we ask, use us. Show us what we've done or things that we're doing that distract us, keep us from hearing and being apart. Show us and we'll change. We'll move another way towards you. We'll spend more time listening, hearing, seeing, and doing. And we pray Use us to produce your fruit in this earth, in people's lives. Use us to love them, to bring them in.
Lord, we know it's your will. So we ask accordingly. And we know we have the things that we've asked. In Jesus' name. You got a song? Make me.